Hi there and welcome to season two of the Sniff Perfume podcast. It's absolutely brilliant to be back and we have some really lovely things to bring you this season, starting right now with our first guest. He was part of the family dynasty behind Lush, one of the best known ethical cosmetic brands in the UK today. At Lush, he was responsible for producing the line of Gorilla Perfumes and then last year he parted ways with the company in order to strike out and set up his own brand of fragrances. Called And Fragrance, their tagline is Unstink the World. We are joined today by the fragrance innovator, Simon Constantine. Hi Simon, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Fabulous, thank you. So let's get right into it. Why a new brand and why now? Well, I think for me, it was a, a culmination of things. I could just see the various issues, um, you know, coming to the fore with climate change and ecological breakdown. And and I just thought that, in particular, the fragrance world um, wasn't really playing any major part in rectifying that. And so uh, it was a growing sort of frustration, really, with um, with that market sector that actually a lot, I know a lot more could be done. Um, and that's really what made me sort of uh, spurred me on to strike out, really. Mm. And so obviously you started your career working with your family in developing Lush. When did you realise that ethical beauty products were important to you and, and why particularly ethical perfume? Well, I mean, to be honest, it's because the other part of my job at Lush was um, really around the sort of ethical buying and the two went hand in hand. My education as a perfumer um, was really closely linked to understanding the quality of ingredients first and foremost and then realizing that ingredients that you use in perfume can have this kind of an impact on the environment and uh, people's well-being and and kind of uh, community aspects and then realizing actually everything has that kind of impact and if you look at what's going on in the world right now um i'm not talking well i I guess you could look at covid in the same way it's the the need for raw materials that's driving a lot of the problems and so um, the ethics behind that really sort of fascinated me. I like the idea of going to source and there's something similar in in kind of going to the source of an ingredient and in actually working in perfume in general. There's something quite um, primal, I think, about perfumery um, and I've been attracted to both. That um, And so I, I found that, they're, yeah, they're sort of very good bedfellows and I try and communicate through fragrance um, in ways that I don't feel like I can do um and any other uh, form of communication so yeah i think i've always sort of had a an inkling that i'd be intrigued with ethical beauty and and fragrance obviously i've been brought up around it um you know when i was two my mum and dad's house was the it shouldn't have been but it was the factory that they <laughs> supplied body shop from uh they did get caught in the end and had to get a proper factory but um <laughs> uh yeah so it, it's always been around me i guess and i, I didn't really uh, realise until later on in life how much I'd sort of soaked that up. Yeah, fabulous. And as you mentioned there, you know, we are living within a coronavirus pandemic still. How do you think that's affected starting the brand now? Well, at first I thought ah, that's pretty bad luck. I've been working for like six months already on um, on the whole concept and uh, working with a a close friend of mine on the sort of branding side of things and I've developed up the perfumes and you know we were getting really close to being ready and then lockdowns happen and and the whole pandemics really sort of took off and I thought well that's the end of that you know maybe put it on the shelf for a while or who knows what and then I uh then I had a sort of 
a thought to just reach out to some of the suppliers, the the projects, the communities that we've been working with and see how they are faring with with coronavirus. And in particular, the Kaipo in the Amazon um, were really starting to get worried about the effects of COVID-19 um, because they uh, they already know that in indigenous communities there, they're not particularly well looked after by the state. Um, they don't have good access to healthcare often. Um, and they're also susceptible to epidemics. A lot of indigenous communities are. And so it suddenly, it changed from being something that we put on the shelf to suddenly being a matter of urgency, really, that we, we launched with whatever we had to raise some money for um, the Rowney Institute. So the Rowney Institute uh, would uh, work then closely, Chief Rowney, uh, who's hopefully being nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, um, is uh, chief of the Kaipo out there. And um, and so we raised money with the 100 bottles that we could scrape together for bean perfume to go out to the Kaipo to buy PPE. Um, and it, yeah, so suddenly, instead of it being sort of like, a, okay, we'll just shelve the whole concept, it went to being, actually, we need to unstink the world as quickly as possible. <laughs> And so, mm. uh, so we went with it. Yeah, and I think um, you've given us an interesting introduction there into how your brand works. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? The sort of relationship with between the fragrances that you're producing and the different parts of the world that those ingredients are coming from, and the indigenous sometimes populations that you're trying to help. Yeah, I mean, in fact, I think with the indigenous groups and things, it, I don't see it necessarily as as help i think it's more of a actually it's almost the other way around but you know i've always been interested in indigenous cultures um and when i was a, a kid i i was at art college um and even before that when i was doing gcse's and i was always interested in aboriginal art and, and aboriginal culture so i've been drawn to sort of those um those cultures for a long time and I've never really managed to make it all sort of fit together. I think at Gorilla, um, I definitely did, you know, with, with some of the perfumery we did there, it told stories from indigenous communities, but it didn't necessarily strongly link outside of that. And it didn't bring the sort of partnership that I was hoping for. And so the opportunity with And was really to sort of make the different aspects of, of what I'm interested in, ingredients and ethics and buying and, and perfumery and creativity and bring them all together much closer in much more harmony, actually, for me, um, and all uh, all into one place. And so when I set out, I really had that sort of um, quite organic intention. Uh, and I, I really wanted to make sure that anything that I was using, I really w- wanted to put it on a pedestal. I wanted to put the ingredients and the people and the ecosystems all to the front and use perfumery more as a uh, as a tool to connect you to that area that ingredient those people um in an effort really actually to put out a message that yes you know there's a lot of problems out there uh, but there are people out there who have lived with it uh, and actually enhanced ecosystems and not ruined them like western civilization seems to be doing um and so actually probably time to stop and listen to those people uh, mm. they probably hold a key there that you know through colonization through empire through all of these different facets we've sort of suppressed oppressed beaten out and and not listened to and now 
now we're really paying for it <laughs> so mm. you know like let's stop and 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 a little bit beyond that as well i i like the the perfumes and uh, i don't know what you you thought of them but the feeling when i make perfume anyway a lot of your subconscious kicks in and the feeling i had when i made these fragrances after i'd made them was that there is an element of comfort there or reassurance i think a lot of people are scared as well about what's going on and then it's only gotten worse in the time that i created them and um, there's an element of going actually look you know calm down a minute and let's have a look at making all this better and how are we going to mm. do it yeah no i think i think that's absolutely right i, I did um when i've smelled these i have picked up that comforting vibe and i think particularly with sand i find that very um it's kind of it's, it, it's comforting in a slightly party-ish way if that's <laughs> even a thing because yeah. i think the bananas really um sort of uh lively and it has this kind of vibrancy about it and then under that you've got that really sort of soothing river of sandalwood running yeah um, and i'm i'm going between um mad bean and sand as being my favorite and i keep sort of you know chopping and changing some days i think oh it's mad and then some days i think no it's bean and then <laughs> then i change again so uh, you know i think that's always a good sign yeah i mean i i really enjoyed the perfumery for this to be honest it it came it came quite easily but through a kind of painful process if you like and so uh you know and i really i think at gorilla i took a lot more chances and uh, that's going to sound strange, but, you know, we did a lot of quite experimental stuff. And uh, I often deliberately made things sort of right on the edge of being palatable, um, you know, to challenge people, or just to have a bit of fun. And with this, I didn't want to do that so much. I really wanted to, it is a lot rawer, I think, and a lot more like I, I want to communicate with you and connect you to this issue that I feel very, very passionate about. Um, mm. Yeah, and so it's almost like a kind of it feels a lot more powerful in that way. Mm. Yeah, there is there's definitely a rawness to them, um, and I think there is that I hadn't I'd I'd experienced it as a rawness, but I hadn't connected it with your passion um, for the, you know for this method of production, which is quite interesting to hear. Yeah. So on that, what is your creative process like? Uh, it's sort of like any creative process. It's not as it's not as linear. I think often when people ask me, I get the feeling that they'd like a sort of quite a neat answer as in I started at A and then I went to B and then I ended up at C. And, um, I, it rarely has gone that way. I think that, you know, actually two, two or three of these fragrances I made in one session, um, probably within an hour and a half, but the work leading up to it and, uh, it's, you know the various attempts to have created something around these materials goes back some of it goes back a decade maybe longer mm. and there's a sort of dissatisfaction with work you've done previously and uh, and so it's a little bit of a messy process but i'd say if you take bear and, and the great bear rainforest ingredients it's probably about four years ago i think um that i went and visited the project out there um and uh, this is a first nations project working within the great bear rainforest in british columbia and canada and um the great bear rainforest is protected um, and actually trademarked and registered for for use by the first nations so they created new hawk and met the communities i think so far uh, have been 
harvesting essential oils sustainably from the forest to maintain a, some sort of economic benefit. And it, I wanted to use those ingredients four years ago and I could not make them work in anything that I did. I kept putting them in mm. things and it smelt wrong or it didn't fit or I couldn't get it to gel. Um, and so it was almost, I think once and started to become a thing, it spurred me on to make this work. Um, and so it, it sort of lifted the bar a little bit for me in that it's like, no, you can't just sort of have these, you know, I can't fail on this. I really want to make it work. Do you know what I mean? Mm, absolutely. So did the ingredient come first then, or did you decide I'm going to make a sandalwood fragrance and then I'm going to find an ethical um, source for that? Or, or was it, a you know, did the Great Bear Rainforest come before the perfume if that makes sense i think that for me i find it inspiring when materials are having a positive benefit um, and my preference is to have gone out and seen where they come from and so most of these um materials I, i've either been directly the only one i don't think i've really been directly to see is the madagascan vanilla i've been to uganda to see it but not to madagascar um uh, actually part you know one of the the sort of um defining factors i think for me starting and was my visit to Somaliland uh, last year and looking at frankincense and looking at the issues there around climate change and um, ecological breakdown and the political situations and and you, it all kind of it all almost becomes the case study for for you know what the world uh, is going is dealing with now and I yeah I, I think once I, I know those things they kind of soak into me and I make the decision uh, without necessarily being deliberate about it. I just, I knew that I wanted to use the sandalwood. I've known about sandalwood and uh, I've visited Australia probably eight or nine years ago um, and various times since. And I just know that I want to use those ingredients and they sort of just bubble out of you rather than it be a, a sort of tick list. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of in it, the thing I find with raw materials and, and when you've been, so there's nothing more... Um, exciting i find than being in a factory that is full of rose petals being distilled or sandalwood or you get fresh resin from a frankincense tree or you and you make this tangible connection and it, it like i said already goes into your subconscious and and you feel really driven to to use that so i i find that really inspiring do you ever dream about fragrance um sometimes not that i mean i it's the whole synesthesia thing isn't it it all kind of forms this weird sort of bond and things emerge but i wouldn't say i dream of fragrance necessarily i haven't not that I noticed it's hard with dreams mm. isn't it? they sort of dissipate don't they but yeah, yeah it's true yeah but i don't think I, I i know that i've listened to music and couldn't sort of smell what they would sound like and things you know some of those blur especially if i'm really in the creative mode um so there's a, a blurring of the edge for sure but i don't think i've dreamt of it not yet anyway mm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that develops yeah, one day. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> so looking at your range, um, obviously you've got five fragrances, Mad, Bean, Sand, uh, Frank and Bear. Oh, look at me remembering them all there. I thought I was going to miss one. You're better than me. I normally um, forget one. <laughs> <laughs> um, of all those scents, which one's your favourite and why? You know, I think I'm I'm doing the same as you. I think I bounce around, and some days I'm really into sand, and some days I really like bear, and other times it's Frank. And 
in the end, I've I kind of said this before as well in, in other things, but I look at them, they're a bit like, which is your favourite child? Do you know what I mean? They all have their own qualities and their own um, elements that I, I like. I tend to, one thing I have noticed is that I do make fragrances that go well on my own skin. I don't mean to do that, but you know when people, you know, you can you can buy a fragrance, put it on your skin, you go, actually, that's not for me. It smells great on the strip, but not when it touches my skin and stuff. And so, mm. um, but I would say probably at the moment, my, if I'm, my preference is probably sand this week and it was bare the week before. And I think it might be mad the week after. I don't know. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> I think it's always interesting as well to um, see how a brand sits with you as the seasons change. And obviously, you know, at the moment we're just heading into winter and, um, you know, in the fragrance community, a lot of us talk about what scent you're bringing out for, you know, for, for your winter rotation. And I, I think there's quite a few here, particularly I would say mad with that really sweet um, coziness about it. I think that'll probably wear quite well in the, you know, in the really cool weather. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, there, there's an element of sort of comfort food in all of these, I think, you know, in one way mm. or another, there's, there are, I, uh, I've definitely blurred the lines, I think, between what I would class as the sort of product perfumery I'd have done within Lush. Um, you know, the sort of kind of um, bright and big stuff around, I don't know, Snow Fairy and things like that. I I feel like I've kind of blurred that line in my head between that and the fine fragrance um, so that it's got that sort of really nice gourmand comfort food, but this stuff's actually doing everybody some good. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I think at the moment, like you've said, you know, the world is, it, you know, it's on fire and we're all mm. getting sick and I think maybe we do we do need that comfort food. It's a, a moment of um, time to pause and be comforted if we can before yeah. we, we go out there again and try and improve things. Um, so in terms of a brand and is, as far as I'm aware, not specifically targeted at any one gender and um, where do you stand generally on the the sort of genderization of fragrance um i mean oddly enough i think because i haven't been trained um trained sort of formally i don't it doesn't even really enter my head very often um i've never made perfumes for gender i've never really subscribed to um uh, you know a smell being assigned to a particular sex do you know what i mean it, it for me mm. it's much more about you as the individual um it's much more about whether it fits you and it's it's more about kind of couture clothing than it is about um you know one size fits all type thing so i i it, it's not a big deal and i sort of forget that i think where maybe in other brands and you know and and sort of whatever the trend may be at the moment it's kind of like oh well you know unisex and you know non-gender it's like with perfume it's not it's i've never seen it doesn't make sense to me to say that that is a man's smell other than mm. if you're trying to market to men and you have some advertising campaign that you've developed completely separately to whether the smell's good or not mm. yeah absolutely because i i always um wonder you know these brands that do very heavily gender their fragrances you know who is there like a little office somewhere where somebody decides you know that notice for women and that notes for men and they're kind of i imagine they've got a rubber stamp a pink one for the girls and a blue one for the boys yeah. it's like yeah the it, men get the sandalwood and the girls get 
rose petals. I, and... I imagine it's a group of very unimaginative people trying to shoehorn everyone into whatever category they they could create. Yeah. And that, like I said, that the imagination is not particularly exciting. I, it's not for me to do that. I, I in fact, I've been really quite surprised um, when we've seen how many men in particular are buying, um, and and it just to me it just feels like we we haven't. You know, we've just gone out there with it without even actually even discussing gender, if I'm honest. It was mm-hmm. not something that we even thought about. And this is talking with a, a friend of mine who he works in marketing and stuff, and it didn't even we didn't even think about it. Yeah. I think that's a good thing though. I think that's a real strength because like you say, why why would you unless it was as a marketing device to sell a product? Um, yeah. And you touched there on your training and how that wasn't kind of formal. How how did you go about learning enough to become, you know, the perfumer that you are now? So my training really started when um, I I kind of had been with my dad, actually. I was at art college and he was developing up some fragrances and he was doing it for, actually not for Lush, it was for a separate project that he wanted to do. And then all of a sudden he kind of stumbled upon the sort of dear john fragrance which is a uh, a fragrance dedicated to his dad and um and he he had this moment where he realized that he he could connect to his long lost dad through perfume and at that time i wasn't sure if i was going to continue on as an artist in, in art college and all that stuff and i realized you could express yourself through perfumery and i actually started working in the the fragrance department for lush which was quite small at the time there's a fast growing business but it's a small small department and i really learned from the ground up and one of the nice things was you know i started as a compounder and then i started to create perfumes but really they're for products christmas products and easter products and things like that which meant you could do a lot of experimentation in quite a short space of time because then they would um, be discontinued normally in the new year so you could kind of um, you, there was a freedom to it and then the other side of that was this discovery that um, the world of essential oils, like everything else, is um, it's quite hidden, but quite corrupt, and very interesting and exciting, a lot of adulteration, and also all these far-flung places. And so I started to travel a lot and see where materials came from. And that, to me, the two factors were, you know, being able to experiment and to really get a, a good on-the-ground knowledge of raw materials were two of the best things for me to 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 go through educationally so it was a much more sort of um it, it worked for me much better i think than a than a degree would have done mm. it must have been a, a very enviable environment to be in as a creative person to have that freedom and have that range of access that um you know it's i guess quite unusual really not you know a lot of people don't ever get that opportunity that's really um really lucky for you really <laughs> yeah it was incredibly lucky yeah and i think um you know almost sort of fate in a way because um mm. you know all of these different factors sort of came together and it wasn't uh you know you had to build it from the ground up it wasn't a sort of complete um you know sophisticated lab and you know none of that stuff existed dad had only just started dabbling with perfumery himself so it wasn't something you know everybody was learning as they went um so it was almost you know that as good as that was that almost was difficult as well there was no boundaries on anything so you had to find the boundaries a lot of experimentation but i i did enjoy it and it it has given me quite you know an excellent grounding for for what i want to do now Mm, yeah um so do you think there are any common misconceptions about that fragrance making process that people outside the industry you know generally hold 
Yeah, I mean, I I do have a bit of an issue with um, with I guess the sort of the conventional. I find it very limiting, very dull. Um, you know, thinking everything sort of boils down to whatever six types of perfume and five big fragrance houses and blah blah blah, and it's all it's a bit staid and it's a it's just not for me that anything I've done, as you can see, it's always. I feel like I'm railing against whatever I can find and <laughs> do you know what I mean? And always trying to be a little bit counterculture with it because uh, I quite like to open that up. I think it should be a lot more exciting. And I think actually the, the sort of niche per- perfume world has become a lot more exciting over the last sort of 10 or 15 years. There's a hell of a lot more things going on out there. Even I realized just in the last 12 months of, of leaving and sort of being a bit more connected to all of that, you can see, um that it's a bit more vibrant than it was but it's still you know that we should be pushing the boundaries with perfume like you would music and art and anything else um and so i i don't really like following a set formula and just adding a couple of little bits on extra and there's nothing more disappointing than someone said oh you know you'd love these perfumes you just launched and you smell them you're like they're the same as everything else um you know you just added a couple of extra baubles on the top you know they're not nothing fundamentally different and so I, I do enjoy sort of the bolder more brashy side of it and challenging things and, and pushing the envelope a bit mm, yeah fantastic so what's next for you what's next for and i mean i know you've only just launched but w- you know what's, what's the next thing for you to do well we've only just launched but i've got this itch because it was 12 months ago that i formulated these and then we spent this last period of time getting everything else kind of in behind it you know and the branding and, and packaging and and launching it uh, and so i've got kind of an itchy feet type feel at the moment i want to start creating some more fragrances and, and getting going on that um uh, and then there's the there's sort of getting there's the whole complexity of getting us out there at this point in time with very limited tools where you can't go out and meet people face to face do any of the things that you would normally do so um all of that's been quite exciting and interesting but um yeah i'd really like to you know we'll fill out the range a bit with um you know with a larger size and a solid perfume concept which we're just coming up with which looks like fun and yeah and then i'd love to get going on some new work to be honest Mm. and is the idea that and will be available primarily through your website are you going to be stocked in stores as well Uh, at the moment we we are yes it's available on the website uh for europe only currently and then we're working on getting out into other markets and then yeah we're finding a few um good friendly faces where we could stock and in uh sort of retail concepts and stuff so in actual fact i've got a friend who's got a lovely barber shop up the road he's got some of the perfumes in there <laughs> and then we're uh we're definitely open to sort of um having a bit of fun with all that and seeing what can develop um so yeah yeah it's all going to be quite an interesting period of time fantastic well i wish you every success in getting that out there and i hope lots of people um kind of connect with the concepts that you're trying to develop here because i think it's really interesting and i I love the idea of um uh, regenerative fragrances and fragrances that can actually help um heal parts of the world so that's fabulous so very best of luck with that i just have a few quick fire questions for you if you if you wouldn't mind indulging us and playing along yeah so so there's no right or wrong answer just whatever comes to mind so okay um what's your favorite smell uh must be baking bread Oh, nice, yeah. Uh, what smells do you dislike? Uh, I 
do I get very grumpy about air freshener. My wife mm. often tries to sneak things in and we have this sort of big row about air fresheners and things like that. And one time I threw one out the window and it went all over me. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. she laughed. She thought it was hilarious because then I bet the she three did. days later I still smell of peach schnapps or whatever it was meant to smell like. <laughs> um, if you could go anywhere and smell anything from, from any point in history, where would you go and what would you smell? Um, well, you know what I was most jealous of? I watched, there's a Werner Herzog documentary about my, uh, about, uh, about cave art and uh i can't remember the name of the documentary i think it was uh some cave about dreaming and stuff right and they took a perfumer into the cave that they'd recently opened up with all these um you know twenty thousand year old cave paintings and i'd love to have been able to be in there and smell that you know a bit kind of like cracking the the uh, tombs in in the sarcophagi and stuff in the in the pyramids you know like what does that smell like that just to have captured that you know s- fragrance of a a cave from thirty thousand years ago so that that's very me i'm into that stuff so yeah yeah that sounds fantastic yeah. um what do you think fear smells like um i think it's sort of a bit it's a bit metallic isn't it it must be the sort of adrenaline and blood that's what i imagine mm. yeah. yeah um what smell transports you to a strong olfactive memory and where does it take you? Uh, well, I mean, th- this week it was my granddad's funeral and I, I was reflecting on the fragrance of, you know, of, uh, of your grandparents' home. And so there's a mixture of kind of, they always manage to have that sort of imperial leather soap with the, with the magnet in the bottom in the right up <laughs> until they, until they've um, died really. Uh, and I can remember my granny, cooking stew and things so that that whole mixture of smells takes me straight to to their house and sort of being a kid yeah and i'm well i'm really sorry for your loss and i know i can totally resonate with what you're saying there because um i have a couple of items of furniture from my grandma's home and sometimes i just open them so i can smell her house yeah again. you know and i i love the way that you know old furniture kind of holds that smell so yeah it's that's really resonant with yeah. me um what fragrance are you wearing right now? Uh, right now, I don't have uh, any fragrance on. I did have, I, I've hurt my feet and my legs. So I've got a lot of massage oil from a massage I had this morning, which is therapy, a massage bar, a lush massage bar. So it's sort of narrowly an orange. So I absolutely stink of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what does summer smell of to you? Uh, I think summer... It depends, doesn't it? I think most people's go-to is sort of that sort of aldehydic sun cream and ice cream and things like that. But I think actually, I think my summer, uh, we've got a lot of heathland at the back of our house and a lot of ferns. And so you get that kind of um, really earthy kind of heather fern sort of mix. And there's, you know, it's almost indescribable, isn't it? It's, it, it's got a kind mm. of, it has got its own sort of edible quality to it, but it's very earthy and, and that and that to me, when that really heats up and a mixture and a bit of pine, uh, you know, a bit of conifer in there and then you feel like you're in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely things. Uh, what's your favorite food smell? Uh, you know what? I quite like, I remember when I did the I'm home fragrance and I got the sort of chocolate brownie smell. Um, I don't, we don't mm. actually have it at home very often, but every now and then my wife may 
do a tray of chocolate brownies and that is pretty good smell that's the sort of thing where you're like are they ready yeah. yet is it is it ready now is it sort of one of those <laughs> <laughs> yeah fabulous uh what smell reminds you of school uh i think pencil your shavings you know that cedar wood snap the graphite and you know i did a lot of drawing when i was at, at school and a lot of writing and all of that stuff that and there's less pleasant smells like uh there was a locker that everyone used to keep it as a bin at our school so that didn't smell so good <laughs> so i'll go with the graphite and the yeah cedar yeah that's a classic isn't it yeah yeah and finally last and not li- but not least scientists have just invented a smellophone who do you ring first uh um probably i'll probably ring my dad and see what he made of it because yeah because it's always <laughs> interesting yeah because we we'd probably have a very long conversation via the smellophone so yeah i think that'd be interesting <laughs> Well, thank you ever so much, Simon, for joining us today. It's been really fascinating talking to you. And as I say, we wish you all the best of luck um, with And Fragrance. Um, Brilliant. And whatever you decide to do with it next. Thank you very much. The Sniff Podcast is written and produced by me, Nicola Thomas, with music by Phil Collingwood. You can find all our reviews online at the-sniff.com. We're also on Instagram, at the Sniff website, and Twitter with the same handle. If you'd like to support our work, we're also on Buy Me A Coffee. The web address is buymeacoffee.com forward slash the Sniff. Today's special guest was Simon Constantine from And Fragrance. We weren't paid either in cash or in kind to feature this brand on the podcast at all. Thanks very much for listening.